1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: This is Fight Night Extra on Talks42.
1: Good afternoon. If you love your boxing and your MMA, this is the show for you. Final Extra, and myself, Adrian Alipa, and the great Gareth a. Davis. Today, we're going to look back on two big fight nights over the weekend. I was in Texas to witness the comeback of Ryan Garcia, who knocked out Oscar Duarte. Meanwhile, it wasn't to be for Mick Comden on his return to the ring. The Irishman was stopped by Jordan Gill in his comeback fight, a result that leaves a serious question mark over his future in the ring. Uh, Conor Ben's battle with the British Boxing Board of Control continues to rumble on. The board have still refused license to license the fight for his fight with Chris Eubanks Jr. And it looks like their prospective fight in February is now in jeopardy. A live boxing this weekend on TalkSport. Chris Billim Smith is back in Bournemouth to defend his Cruiserweight World title. We are going to hear from the champion and also from one of his rivals, Jair Pataya, who spoke to us a little earlier. Plus, we'll look at another big fight this weekend as Devin Haney takes on Regis Prograde, And we're going to chat about Amanda Serrano's battle with the WBC. She's relinquished her belts after they refused to sanction three minute rounds. All right, loads to get through. Let's get into it. This is Final Extra on Talksport 2.
2: It. Good, stopped it, out, and Jordan Gale. Another steps in. And, Michael is stopped, and what a win against
3: the odds for Jordan unbelievable atmosphere you know that, that's what the, the fans will bring you then for me uh, you know uh, I believe a career best performance and I think that's what's going to be needed on the night because of how, how well rounded he is so uh, I'm excited I'm excited to put on the show <laughs>
2: always pleaded his innocence and if that's the only way that they, he can prove his innocence present the evidence you know forget the strict liability stuff present the evidence because it's going to clear your name moving forward it's been 18 months now anyway
1: so much in boxing like every single week we do this show and i'm thinking is there anything to talk about this There's always something to talk about and loads to pack into this hour let's welcome in the great gareth Faye davis as always my man gareth how are you brother
2: I'm very well, thank you, in the midst of a very, 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 I want to say busier time. It feels busier, Addy, than it normally is at this time of the year. And it's, uh, I've just filled out my diary And I ain't going to sleep till December the 27th. (laughs) You're right. Most people are
1: winding up for Christmas, right? But boxing seems to be sort of going the opposite way. It's big events after big events. We're going to talk about Regis Progray, Devin Haney. Sonny Edwards is in America getting ready for Bam Rodriguez, Crispin Smith. And then obviously they are reckoning December 23rd as well. Let's talk about the fight I was at in Houston, Texas. Ryan Garcia returning to the ring. Um, A few interesting points. First of all, one of them is the weight Him being 143 pounds as opposed to the 140 pound. I did ask him sort of midweek, like, what's going on? He said it was always contracted at 143 pounds. I kind of still feel like that's unprofessional, though. You've come up from 135. If you're going to be a super lightweight, be a super lightweight. Make the 140 limit.
2: Yeah, he he miscalculated clearly. And he's not the biggest guy in the world. So it was a little bit of a surprise to me as well. Um, But I think he was a little bit distracted during the week with... Maybe into Neeson strife, if I can call it that, with Bernard Hopkins and Oscar De La Hoya as promoters, which I found fascinating. Like you say, um, you know, there's weight divisions for a reason. You've got to make the weight. It it was inexplicable.
1: Yeah, it really was. I mean, look, we've seen promoters and managers and fighters sort of bicker uh, before. It's not the first time, but this one was uh, a bit more. It felt like this is something that's been sort of lying sort of underneath the surface for a while, and then it just exploded. Ryan Garcia taken to the podium and attacking Bernard Hopkins, attacking Oscar De La Hoya. I mean, this can't be good for a working relationship going forward when you have an asset like Ryan Garcia and someone who talks and says what he wants, like Oscar De La Hoya.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's a bit of political stuff going on here. I mean, you were there. I don't know whether you delved into uh, how many fights uh, Garcia's got left with his Golden Boy contract. Five, we were uh, told. Well, there you go. So he's just uh he's just airing his grievances. Um he and Oscar are both quite emotional characters. I do like their transparency, if I'm honest. I was there when Bernard Hopkins said to Joe Calzaghe, where that quote, I'll never lose to a white boy goes back to. Um It was there in the media room at the MGM Grand in December 2007 Mm. in the fight week of Ricky Hatton and Floyd Mayweather. Wow, what a a long time that seems ago. Uh, But what a great week it was. And the fight was made that day. Look, what I like about Ryan Garcia, I'm a huge fan of his in in respect of... uh, A fan of what he does in terms of talking about his mental health and anxiety and those kind of things. He's a very modern man in that sense. And I'm sure that behind the scenes, they will talk it through. Like you say, five fights on on the uh, are in the book still to go. Um, it's been a fruitful relationship in my view so far. So um, I didn't have any issue with it. I just found it fascinating. It added to the fight week. Yeah. I don't know if you watched the fight. If you did, Gareth, how do you I think did...
1: Ryan Garcia looked on the new trainer, Derek James, who's trying to do this shoulder roll thing, which... For me, it just didn't quite work. He got caught a couple of times, it looks like, to the body. Look, in the end, you know, he got the job done. He landed the knockout blow. But overall, out of 10, how would you grade Ryan Garcia?
2: Well, I watched it live after presenting Talk Sport till 1am. Drove home. It's that, that thing we do sometimes when we wait up a couple of hours till 4am. Mm. I was very impressed with him for five rounds. Um, Oscar Duarte, obviously a banana skin opponent. Very powerful, loading up with his shots. I thought Garcia handled him very, very carefully and very well for four or five rounds, um, winning all the rounds, handling him in the mid-range. But like you say, um, for two or three rounds then, he got his body shapes wrong. He was obviously trying something, but he was actually exposing himself to body shots um, as opposed to protecting his head. Um, I, I think he'd been working on it with Derek James um, and wanted what was dominant in the fight, if you like, um, and and probably chose the inappropriate moment to 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 use those new skills. But um, look, he, he, he hit him with a very hard shot in the end, uh, kind of put his killer instinct out there, got a victory. I'm saying I'm going to give it a good seven out of 10. I don't know how you felt about it. Yeah, I think seven's fair. Again, just the
1: pressure of coming off your first defeat. Mentally, I don't know how that's going to work for you. You've moved City. You've got a new trainer. That trainer's had fighter struggle recently as well. Derek James, obviously Errol Spence and Jamel Charlo. So you're going into that ring a bit nervous and you're taking on a hard-hitting Mexican. And the crowd was pretty split as well. So it wasn't just all pro-Ryan. So... I think he took a lot into the ring. And as you say, all the stuff going on behind the scenes with Oscar and Bernard. So a lot of pressure walking into the ring and ultimately is go in there, get the job done and talk about what's next. And and that's what he did. So I'm with you. I think a seven is fair in terms of what next in this division, 140 pound division now is fully loaded. Where do you think he goes to?
2: Well, I think there's three fantastic fights for him. Um, Obviously, uh, there's there's a lot of guys out there but I mean I spoke to Bob Arum last night had a fantastic one hour conversation talking about heavyweight boxing all the way back to the 60s, one of the things I do with Bob five or six times a year I choose a, a theme and we talked for an hour, it was brilliant to speak mm-hmm. to him and I said look, Ryan Garcia won at the weekend, you've got your guy Shaka Stevenson out there at the moment Um Shaka Stevenson, Devin Haney I know he's fighting Regis Progray um, Devin Haney Um, these guys, I'd like to see him fight all these big names at 140. I'd like to see him come over here to the UK and have a fight. Um, He reminds me so much of Amir Khan. He's a vulnerable type of fighter, but he's one that kind of gets your juices flowing. Wouldn't surprise me to see Ryan Garcia end his record, end his career with a kind of 28-5 record where he's lost five against the very best. He's beaten one of the very best um, he's got power, but he's got vulnerability. And he showed it again on Saturday night. And by the way, I could all I could hear was people um, screaming for Oscar Duarte during the fight. I didn't hear any cheers for Ryan Garcia. Yeah,
1: it was a very pro-Mexican crowd. A lot of them really got behind Oscar Duarte. Obviously, look, maybe a lot of casuals don't really know who he was, but after the fight and sort of in the lead up to the fight, he was selling it uh, quite well. Uh, when, it's funny, you mentioned about Ryan coming over here. I did speak to Ryan after. I said, look, Ahara Davis who was supposed to be out yes. there fighting Ishmael Barroso, 140-pounder. I said, would yeah. you come over here to fight O'Hara Davis? He said, absolutely, he really wants to come and fight in the UK. He called out Roly Romero, Teofimo Lopez, and you mentioned oh, a Lopez. couple of big names yes. as well, Devin Hay. There's yeah. so much. All of a sudden, the 140-pound division is what the 135 was like a year ago.
2: So there are there are yeah, so absolutely. many fights in there. Absolutely, Eddie, very, a point very well made. And, and I've said to Ryan on several occasions, come over here and enjoy how much the British fans will love you. I'm so, I say this to Deontay Wilder all the time because mm. whenever I'm out here with Deontay Wilder, he gets stopped every two minutes, every five minutes. People want selfies. Ryan's a very, very big figure on social media. You, people love him and hate him as well. Um, I'd love to see him have a fight. O'Hara Davis is a great shout. Tio Lopez, again, one of those big fights that he may not win, but you're kind of... He's got something, that's why he's got 11 million social media followers. There's something about him that you want to see him tested to the full. So, uh, yeah, good call.
1: Yeah, uh, let's move on and talk about um, Mick Conlon. Obviously, another big card for DeZone on the weekend, this time from Belfast, headlined by Conlon versus Jordan Gill. Conlon going into this fight as a favourite, as many expected, but then obviously getting stopped in the seventh round. That's three stoppage defeats now three knockout defeats, bad ones as well for Mick Condon in his last five fights. Um, look, a lot of promise with Mick Condon. Everyone remember the famous sort of picture of him sort of putting his finger up to um, the, the um, Olympic committee and Bob Arum signing him and doing exactly the same thing. So he had a big push, Mick Condon. I, I just kind of wonder where his future is now in the sport. Again, you don't want to see fighters taking punishment. And I just wonder if his ability to take punishment and you need to have that ability has now been lost.
2: Listen, that's a, it's a big call. Um, I'm not going to call on, on Mick Conlon to retire. Um, that's a big decision for him to make. Mm. He's already stated on social media that he's going to take time out, spend time with the family. Good. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot of thinking to do. Like you say, three knockouts now. Um, you know, I, I favoured Conlon to win the fight, but he had to really outbox Jordan Gill to do that. Gill, as well, is one of those guys that's delivered at times when he was a wounded Tiger Against Karim Guerfi, he obviously turned that fight around. And also, if I can add, i um, very, very sad to, to hear that he was feeling suicidal after his feat, defeat to Kiko yeah. Martinez yeah. and that someone spoke to him and saved him. Uh, I've been saying this and I will say it again, I will never stop saying it. When you're uh, watching a fighter who's had a bad loss, please don't hammer them on social media don't kick them when they're down, but also if you're feeling dark, darkness passes. A lot of us have experienced it in our lives. Talk to anyone, Somewhere in the queue at the bank, someone at the bus stop, um, someone in a coffee bar, talk because it really helps. And I'm glad Jordan is with us and I think it was a fantastic victory. This was Conlan's fight to lose, but Jordan Gill's fight to climb up the ladder and he truly has. And if he stays at super feather now. He's got those fights potentially with the likes of Lee Wood, Joe Cordina and others.
1: Yeah, well said as well. Jordan Gill's sort of post match or post fight speech kind of I think touched everyone. Um obviously look, he's going in there as the away fighter and he you know he got booed coming in, he got cheered coming out just because of him opening up. And it's it's difficult, I think, for people to open up, especially fighters. Because we you know, fighters are tough, aren't they? He's supposed to be built of different stuff. But it shows that we're all human and go through stuff. And the fact he was sort of having those thoughts after the Kiko Martinez loss almost makes this win even more special. He's completely changed camp. He left Dave Caldwell, went to try something different, and it was all against him, back against the wall, back against the wall wall, going to Belfast and having to beat the the, the super kid and and Mick Condon, and he does it and he stops him. It's a career highlight win, and as you say now, and he said this after, he wants a world title crack. And look, he might not get it, but he's put himself in the picture for it. Someone might look at that as a voluntary and think, "I fancy that," because it'll be an all-action fight.
2: Absolutely right. And I just want to—I just hope that uh, lemonade. I put a little tweet out before we came on air tonight, asking for questions for our show. And I just hope we've given the uh, the assessment that lemonade wanted on Ryan Garcia. And I think if anyone else is asking about Jordan Gill, he's put himself in the title picture. And also, of course, Joe Cordina. And uh, and Lee Wood are also under the, the matchroom and his own banner. So he's in a great place. Yes.
1: All right. You're listening to Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we are going to hear from Chris Billum-Smith, head of his world title defence this Sunday. It's live on TalkSport. Yes, you heard correct. It's a Sunday. And we're going to look here to Devin Haney versus Regis ProGrate 2. But up next, we're going to get the latest on another setback for Conor Ben. Uh, it looks like he's fighting with Chris Ubert Junior in February is now in jeopardy once again. Welcome back to your lesson to Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Adi Oladipo, the great Gareth A. Davis. All right, let's talk uh, Conor Ben. I feel like we talk Conor Ben a lot on this show and have been for the last 18 months, and you can understand why uh, so much seems to be going on behind the scenes. And every time you think maybe we've moved one step forward, we move a couple of steps back. Uh, last week, I think, or well, a couple of weeks ago, me and Gareth were talking about Conor Ben versus Chris Euban Jr. And I, I was saying it looks like the fight's done. It looks like we are going to get the fight. We want to see February the 3rd. And I thought, the reason I said that is because I thought the situation with the British Boxing Board of Control and UKED had been sorted. I thought it had been sorted behind the scenes. Uh, Robert Smith obviously came on and spoke on TalkSport and said, well, no, it's not been sorted. It's not. Uh, we actually are going to hear from Robert Smith as well. This is what he had to say when speaking about Conor, Conor Ben's request for a licence.
2: The board feel any athlete, not just a boxer, but any athlete who um, has failed a drug test needs to go through an investigation. And that with the proper authorities, and that hasn't happened. And we're waiting for that to happen. And the Boxing Board and UCAD have been pushing for that to happen right from the beginning of this. Um, and unfortunately, it's been delayed, not through the Boxing Board of Control or UCAD, but through other parties. With regard to Mr Ben, Boxing This Country, we have had an application for him to in This Country that has been refused.
1: There you go. I mean, you heard it there from the General Secretary of the British Boxing Board of Control, Robert Smith. Uh, the application for Conor Ben to fight in his country was put through. That application was refused. So that there will be a few options. We'll bring Gareth A. Davis in here on this one. There will be a few options, Gareth, as to what they can do. One, they can fight abroad, right? I mean, there was talks about this fight potentially going to Abu Dhabi. They can get a license uh, to fight in this country, not from the British Boxing Board of Control, which I don't think is a good look. What do we make of all this again? Again, I said at the top, we've been talking about the situation for months, every single week.
2: Well, look, it boils down to the Boxing Board of Control are not happy about Conor Ben clearing his name through jurisdiction. um, And they want him to do, although that's why they've appealed the decision by sporting resolutions or or the Tribunal Council, um, over this, um, and UKAD and the Boxing Board of Control appealed it. We believe the, the appeal will be heard in January. I think it puts that February the 3rd fight in jeopardy um, in one instance, because they can't exactly sell 60-odd thousand tickets for Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, where it's mooted to be by Eddie Hearn, um, and then turn around and say, uh, we're going to have to shift the whole thing. There's, a, there's several moving parts here, um, you know, Connor Ben and Chris Eubank Jr. going at it again today. Um, with Eddie Hearn having revealed, I think, um, where he was with you on Saturday night, that uh, Chris Eubank still hadn't signed the contract. Connor Ben going at uh, Eubank over that today, and Eubank saying, Um, Connor Ben saying, Have you lost your pen to sign the deal? and Eubank retorting with, uh, Have you lost your license again? Oh, um, god. We, you know, with uh, with With fans delighting in that uh, in that exchange on social media so um one one someone made a very interesting point to me that I may have overlooked as well if if Conban wins his jurisdiction um, agreement um with um, sporting resolutions and and the board in Newcastle are pushed back over it, they may not be able to push for i 'm I'm, I'm pleased that someone pointed this out. they may not be able to appeal the fact that he goes into the strict liability situation with UCAD uh, over the actual uh, two positive tests for clomiphene, mm. um, which may rule that out, but it 'll still be there, like Spencer Oliver. I agree that should just try and if he 's got the evidence try and clear his name um, I, I don't i know I know that your're Um, sources were telling you last week I mean we're very strong on it, the fight is likely to happen but I was very doubtful about it and I cast doubt on it last week because Addy there's so many of these moving parts, it could go abroad Um, it could affect uh, Chris Eubanks license with the British Boxing Board of Control if he goes ahead and fights under the uh, auspices of another commission, Eddie Hearns mentioned another commission again last week, my feeling is that they'll have the hearing and they'll push back on the fight and it won't be February the 3rd. I think it'll probably end up being in March, in my view. Um, I think it will still go ahead. It's a very big fight still. Um, I do think it's a bit of a mismatch, welterweight versus middleweight, not a big welterweight against a big middleweight or super middleweight in in Chris Eubank Jr. Um, But I think there'll be a demand for the fight eventually. Um, But I just feel like they might push back on it. And I also see... Um, on February the 3rd, um, Dan Aziz and, and Joshua Blatsey are due to fight as well. So who knows? Um, I think, like you said at the top of, uh, of this section, it's all a little bit up in the air at the moment.
1: Yeah. Is there a surprise that Conor Ben and his team would apply for their licence, knowing that there is still this issue ongoing with the British Boxing Board of Controller? It's almost as though someone said apply, it will be accepted. That's the only thing I, I can I can't understand why you'd apply, knowing that, it's likely to get rejected anyway because you've not resolved the situation with the British Boxing Board of Control and UKAD.
2: Well, I think one of the big issues with this from the very beginning, you go back to last August, I think it was August, August, September time, when behind the scenes they were trying to push on with this fight. Eddie Hearn's gripe is the board did nothing for five weeks and that's fair enough. Um, But they were waiting for documentation, they say. Um, It was a very fractious fight week on October the 8th. Uh, the revelation in the Daily Mail that that there were these tests and that they were trying to push on with the fight. Chris Eubank Jr. had agreed to go ahead with the fight at the time under his promoters, the Sourland brothers, who are still his promoters, by the way. Mm. Um, And then then a lot of he said, she said over the next few months. I just think it's been poorly handled on both sides, uh, you know, through through a very, very long period of time. Um, and I think they're just at an impasse. And I think the Boxing Border Control don't want fighters to be able to win their case based on jurisdiction if it isn't a UCAD test. Obviously these were outside the remit of UK anti-doping, even though they were two positive tests. I think Connor Ben should come forward with his evidence um that he's got i've I, I mentioned this last week i think i spoke to dr human that's looked at the metabolite tests for conor ben just do just be transparent bring it all out let's see the 270 page reports let's see if he's questioning the veracity of the testing system that went ahead which apparently what was in that report um let's just have it all transparent and that's been the problem all the way through a lot of it was behind legalese um it's a very, very complicated case uh, or it's, and it's become much more nuanced. Um, and But it's a, a bottom line is it's important because drug testing in our inherently dangerous sport has to be important. Safety has to be paramount for the fighters, as safe as we can make it. And what is, you know, week in, week out, we say this, it's an inherently dangerous sport.
1: Yeah, I almost feel like they they should move on from it. I, I don't say move on from... The situation with UCAD and the British Boxing Border Control and Conor Ben. No, that, that needs to be sorted well, 100%. I mean, move on from the Eubank Ben fight. I almost feel like it's almost semi cursed, this fight. And I agree with you, middleweight, world to weight. I, I look at Chris Eubank Jr. I know it's a big fight, and financially, everyone's going to eat a lot of money, and I get that. But I think there are good fights out there for Eubank as a middleweight. I think there are great fights out there for Conor Ben as a world to I, I, I'm almost just like, I'm tired of it. I'm done with
2: it. But, 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 I, I am, but I would love. How, how amazing it would be to see them all around a table in a 90-minute Netflix uh, documentary, sitting around a table, going over it all, airing their grievances and having a transparency around it, which may happen one day, so that everybody can see what's gone right and what's gone wrong here. Because at the end of the day, you said it. Let's move on. Let's either move on and, and air the grievances and differences so that it's transparent, rather than it all be trapped behind legal ease. Because at the end of the day, yes, we do want to see Connor Ben back. Yes, he may have to serve time. I think there's been a and he has served a certain amount of time. And I think I wonder whether there was an issue with putting that evidence in front of the board based on strict liability that he'd have to sit out anyway till August this year and he wasn't prepared to do it, even if he was proven innocent because of strict liability. I think they should have done it. I think they should have gone ahead and just said, look, this is the evidence we've got. Please see it. Please hear it. But these guys are not talking to each other face to face. And I think that always makes a difference.
1: Do we see Christy Benton Jr versus Conor Ben before April this next year?
2: It's a good question. I think we'll see the fight eventually. I think we'll see it sometime in 2024. Before April? If that hearing goes ahead and the board can do nothing about it and they are forced through restraint of trade um, to to give him his license back, yes, I, I think we will see I think we will see it in March or April. Final one in the UK. Yeah, in the UK. Okay, cool. All
1: right, you're listening to Final Extra on TalkSport 2 still to come. We are going to look ahead to Haney versus Progray this weekend. Remember, WBC super lightweight strap up for grabs in that one. But up next, we are going to hear from Chris Billum-Smith, who's got a tough fight himself this weekend.
3: from Willem Smith, nice left hand as well. Oh, big shots! Bills a huge uppercut, he is stretched on his back. There is no need to count. Chris Willem is um, very tough. He's got a great um, work rate. He lets his hands go. He's the cruiserweight version of Vladimir Klitschko, really. Oh, good shot! That came from Willem Smith, and down Oh, my God! He said it would work out, and I don't think he meant like this, but it's worked out better than we ever thought. Welcome back. You're listening
1: to Divine Extra on TalkSport. Two, Adi Lalipa, the great Gareth Davis. This Sunday, TalkSport brings you live boxing as Chris Bingham Smith defends his WBO world cruiserweight title for the first time. Uh, he takes on Mas- Mateusz Mastanek at the Bournemouth International Centre. Uh, the team on the night, good one as well. Strong team. This Adam Catcher, Gareth Davis, uh, commentators John Rawlin and former super bantamweight champion uh, Spencer Oliver. We we had hoped, or I at least had hoped, Gareth, um, that it would be the Lawrence Colley rematch. Still not quite sure what's going on. There, but it is, uh, Matthias Mastanek, very tough, very strong. I'm speaking to uh, Tony Bellew about him. Tony Bellew fought him years ago, and he was talking about him and how tough he was, and I think it's going to prove, pre-prove, sorry, to be a tough night for Chris Bill and Smith. He will get through it, but he's going to be made to work for his money.
2: Yeah, definitely. Look, Mateus Mastanek, amazingly, in his 52nd fight, um, is finally fighting for a world title. Um, he's really only had massive issues, I think, in contests against kind of major world champions in cruiserweight, former Cruiserweight world champion Juniel Dorticos uh, and also, of course, Tony Bellew, of, uh, I think that's about eight years ago now, but um, against Bellew. We know what Bellew did as a Cruiserweight. Um, but I think Mastanac at, at 35 is going to be bringing his all. He's a very, very tough um durable opponent and Billam smith even though he's a big favorite and i I see him winning on points or even by late stoppage i think it's going to be a really tough test but i think he he's a guy that rises to the occasion he loves fighting in bournemouth he's brought big time boxing back to bournemouth the balmy night in bournemouth this summer when he beat lawrence acoli and that extraordinarily weird fight um you no, know, I think he's relishing it, and we're relishing being down there. And I've got a funny week, by the way. I'm going to the Professional Fighters League Mixed Martial Arts European Finals at the Three Arena in Dublin. That'll be an amazing atmosphere. It always is. Thursday build up and Friday night live reports into talk sport that night. Myself and Ryan Clancy producing me will be going over. And then Saturday fight night in the studio. And then Sunday afternoon down to, to Barmy Bournemouth. Although it would probably be freezing Bournemouth at that point.
1: Thanks for a rundown of your schedule. Sorry. No, no, it was fantastic. No, no, no. no, no, no. I can do my schedule. I'm cutting my my hair tomorrow. (laughs) Taking the dry cleaning out on
2: Saturday. Honest to God, if I can just be self-indulgent for one minute. I filled out my diary, (laughs) my 2023 diary, right, all the way to December 25th. I fly back from Riyadh on December the twenty fifth because I'm going to Day of Reckoning, and I wanted the Monday free. I wanted the Sunday free to do my post fight follow ups and write ups and podcasts and whatever. Get back on the twenty fifth, and I'm not joking. It is ram jam packed till then. Off the cuff programs uh, for DAZN next week. Looking ahead to um, to to the Kelly Josh Kelly fight, um, Bam Bam Rodriguez and Sonny Edwards, that I'm sure you're going to as well, this weekend, Riyadh week, Day of Reckoning. I've never known, Adi, you asked at the top, I've never known a December so busy. Never,
1: ever it's it's ridiculous it is isn't you know in a couple of weeks time we gonna look it's at yeah and we're going to look at what's coming up in January because even, even in January it starts to get a bit ridiculous as well let's let's focus back on this one i want to uh, hear from chris billings smith this this what he spoke about when talking about the masterneck fight and a preparation differing from the akoli one
3: i think it was easier to be honest because if you take away the the world title and the stadium and, and all that and just put the boxing ring there and who you're fighting, you know. It's someone I've shared many, many, many rounds with and I've got a coach who used to coach him so he knows his strengths and weaknesses. Whereas this one, you know what you're getting with Mastanek from watching him, but you don't know the ins and outs of, of him. Um, and uh, he's he's a more well-rounded fighter than, than anyone I've ever faced, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. Super tough. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult. You've got to try and get different sparring in. It's hard to get someone who moves really well but also carries a lot of power. So you have to really mix up the sparring.
1: Yeah, really do like Chris Billim Smith. Again, he's almost done it the hard way. I don't think anyone early in his career had sort of thoughts of Chris Billim Smith being a world champion. And you're right in, well, as well in what you said, Gareth, the fact that he's brought big time boxing back to Bournemouth. And there'll be bigger fights as well. And one of those bigger fights in the future could be against, I think, the best cruiserweight out there. And that's Jaya Patai, the IBF champion. He was in the studio talking to White and Jordan. Uh, this week. This is what Jaya Patai had to say about the current state of the cruiserweight division.
2: The UK has a a huge variety of great fighters in the cruiserweight division. You know, I feel like there's um great fights to be made over there. And the, it, it's exciting times for the cruiserweight division. You know, it, it's growing and um it's getting more notice. And even me being on the, such a big card like this, you know, it, it's not normal to see a cruiserweight on a big heavyweight card like this. You know what I mean? The they sort of look at the cruiserweight division like it's a bit, you know, ah, uh, he's aren't heavyweights yet, but we're getting recognition. We're getting good fights here and we're generating a lot more money. So, you know, it, and I'm proud to be on the, the front line of, of leading the cruiserweight division into a better path. So exciting, man. I'm, I'm pumped. But at the same time, I've earned it. I deserve to be here. I deserve to be on these big stages. I've done the hard work and I continue to do the hard work every day.
1: Yeah, scary man, Jaya Pataya, honestly, really is, and like, fantastic fights coming up in the Cruiserweight division, and hopefully we do get to see Crispin and Smith, Richard be A. Coley back in the mix, um, Jaya Pataya, uh, and many more. W- what does it lack, you think, in this Cruiserweight division? I mean, I think it has everything, but I speak to sort of my American followers or people I know in the Sporting American, I think they maybe don't pay as much attention to it because there is no American coming through that's kind of talking brash and talking the trash about the Cruiserweight division.
2: Is that what it lacks an American cruiserweight, yeah, maybe. But I think what it did have, um, when this, when the, um, the tournament format was there and Alexander Usyk emerged as the front runner, um, it had lots of drama and great fights. And I think it needs a tournament format. There's not enough matchups being made. <laughs> it's the old heavyweight complaint here, really. There's not enough matchups being made quickly enough. Obviously, Jaya Pattaya fights on the December 23rd Riyadh. Card Day of Reckoning against Ellis Zorro, isn't it? Who's seventeen and 0. Expect him to come through that. But again, Jai is going to be showcased there. Chris this weekend. Um, you know, th- there's still Gulamirian is a decent champion. Yeah, Badu yeah. Jack around years. Uh, Richard Reakpaw, Um, You know, Isaac Chamberlain is eight with the WBA. So there's plenty of. Um, what I'd like to see is Jai Apatia. And we do understand that after this fight, he's going to be in camp uh, with Tyson Fury ahead of the February 17th undisputed heavyweight title fight, because he does have similar shapes to Alexander Usyk from the southpaw starts. He's very fast, creates angles. He's spiteful. In some ways, he's a bit more spiteful than Usyk. Agreed. He doesn't come up the ring as much? Well. He, he wants to go at it. Um, I mean... I'd love to have seen Jaya Pataia against Alexander Usyk, you know, in his pomp. That would have been a great fight. But I, I mean, I think given his recent performances, yes, he's got a right to claim number one in the division. I think you'd agree with that and I do. But I'd love to see Richard Riyakpour in with him. I'd love to see Billum Smith back in with Riyakpour. I've got a feeling that uh, Lawrence Akoli may well be headed uh, towards that bridge away division. Um, you know, but who knows? We may get that rematch. We probably should have had it already, but I think in 2024, we need the realisation of the unification fights, Addy. That's the key to the division right now. Yeah. Uh, you know,
1: it's interesting that you mentioned that bridge weight thing. I wasn't going to talk about it, but now, now you have, I, I can't stand it. I think the idea of it just like, just, ugh. And some might some there'll be some of an age who say Eddie, but I remember when there wasn't a super worldweight division, and now all of a sudden yeah. it's great. And and they are correct. So maybe in twenty years' time it will be the norm. But maybe just me now, I just think,
2: oh, what are we doing?
1: I just don't like well, the idea of another division.
2: I remember when Ricky Hatton had defended the WBU World Boxing Union. Oh, yeah titled whatever it was eighteen times or twelve or whatever it was at the time. I remember when there was no WBO thirty years ago, mm. and Chris Eubank Senior was one of the first champions, if not the first, in one of the weight divisions. There, we 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 live in an inexact world in in the fight world. It's it's uh, this is one of the things I spoke about with Bob Arum last night. Was you know, and I never forget this. It's a business as much as it is a sport. It's professional boxing is a business. It's dictated by money. It's dictated um, by people making a profit. by By It's not dictated by money being lost. And I think more weight divisions, um, more sanctioning bodies means there's more champions and more fighters earn more money. And that is the reality of it. Much as the purists don't like that, um, I mean, we'd all love to have one champion in every weight division. And that is hopefully what will happen in the next few years anyway, that we will find our number ones. Then we're not debating, even though we'll lose that nuance of debate. Um, but I think at the moment, I want to see, we know that Riyadh Poor's beaten Billam Smith in the past. We haven't seen Acolium and, and Riyadh Poor, which I think is hugely disappointing, by the way. Um, and we haven't seen Opataya and Riyadh Poor and Opataya and uh, Billum Smith, or um, Akoli. So I think I mentioned about six fights there that haven't happened. Yeah. Um, Whilst
1: we're talking about boxing and sort of the changes and things happening for good or bad, uh, Amanda Serrano announced on her social media pages today that she's vacating her WBC um, title She, She Basically her reasonings for it were the fact that the WBC are not allowing her to have sort of three-minute rounds, um, as she did in the last fight. And I think me and you were against that because I feel like you lose a lot of the action. You don't need to do that. Um, I even I even think not enough's done in terms of testing about sort of the health and shots of taking that for three minutes, but that's a whole different discussion. What do you make of Amanda Serrano vacating? It looks like Sky Nukas and the interim champ is going to be elevated now to full champion status.
2: Well, um, a lot to unpack I, there. Sorry, I went quite a bit. Yeah, there. That, that, well, no, but I, t- the first thing is about the medical report, which I think is really important because you want the, the data behind the changes. Mm, exactly. Um, I think the, the, the last really deep report was about nine years ago, so that needs updating. Um, women's, women have changed, their fitness has changed, their strength has changed, um, their technical know hows has changed, um, you know, life's changed. Uh, in the last decade. So that needs updating. I'm a fan of two-minute rounds because I think the action's fantastic. Um, I think... um, I I, I find it... She's taking a stance, and I really admire Amanda Serrano anyway. I think she's a modern great, along with Katie Taylor and Savannah Marshall and Clarissa Shields. They're they're, they're modern greats, these women. They're, they're, They're shifting things. They're bringing young women on boards. Um, Franchon Cruz Zern, a modern diva as well. That sorry, she's known as H H Diva, but a modern diva in, in in women's boxing for the for the way they bring things and the way they carry themselves. Um, I, I, I I don't really think she should have done it, but she's got the backing, very powerful backing of Jake Paul and most valuable promotions. So she's got a lot of clout. Um, I think. 12 threes, 36 minutes from 20 minutes, 10 twos. Two-minute rounds is, is too big a leap. Mm. I'd love to see them move in championship fights, Eddie, from British and European level onwards uh, to 12 two-minute rounds I, I, and because that's an increase of four minutes and then increase it from there. What's wrong with uh, 15 two-minute rounds <laughs> eventually? 15. Two-minute rounds. Yeah, let, let, let's, get, let's, get to 12. let's get to
1: 12 first. That'll be good for them. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Sky Nicholson is elevated oh. or whether or not she fights for a vacant title.
2: I mean, look, Sky, Sky looked fantastic the other day against Lucy Wildhart. I mean, Lucy Wildart played into her game. Her command of range looked fantastic. Her uh, uh, punch selection was fantastic. Uh, She still needs a ring sobriquet, a ring alias, by the way. She hasn't got one yet. I think um, spiteful Sky Nicholson is what I'd like to call her with that beautiful smile and those model looks of hers. Um, But... You know, again, she's very young in her career, but she's doing all the right things. I don't think she should be installed as champion. I think she called out Amanda Serrano, rightly so. But I'd like to see her fight for the vacant belt if it becomes vacant.
1: All right, you're listening to Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Next up, we're going to look ahead to another massive fight this week. And this one's a big one. Devon Haney looks to become a two-weight world champion against the current WBC champion, Regis Progre. Welcome back. You're listening to Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Adi Oladipo, the great Gareth a. Davis. All right, let's talk uh, the big fight on the weekend, live on Zone pay-per-view, Devin Haney versus Regis Progre. Uh, and this fight, I-, I thought, was almost like a, a slow build-up, but now it's just gone crazy. I mean, they did a face-off, which has got nearly a million views, and they both are selling the fight well. And I, I will say this as well. The fight's going to be in San Francisco. And initially, they kind of had the venue for around 16,000. venue can take 20,000. They kind of blacked off a few of the seats. Now they've opened it all up. It's going to be a sellout, 19 and a half thousand. Ladies and gentlemen, Devin Haney has arrived and he's got a good dance partner and Regis prograde. Th- this is good, isn't it, Gareth? I mean, everyone's been talking about Devin Haney, obviously unbeaten, un- former Undisputed Champion, but can he sell tickets? Can he put, you know, people, bums on seats? He, he can. He's now a star.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, the funny thing is, I was thinking about this. I'm very disappointed not to be going there. Same, on Saturday. same. Very upset. Um, I, I, you know, I've got the glamorous option of of Bournemouth rather than San Francisco, and uh, I've got Bournemouth Bay, not San Francisco Bay. And and you may or may not know this, but I, I lived out there for two and a half years uh, a few years ago. And uh, oh wow. Um, I was, doing, well, I was doing a lot of, um, I, was, I wasn't permanently there, but I was there an awful lot. I was doing a lot of work with, with Bellator and covering a lot of fights in America at the time. Uh, I'm, I'm talking five, five and a half years ago now. And, you know, the whole time I was there, there wasn't a big boxing event in San Francisco. And um, I was regularly going to Oakland to see Amir Khan and uh, Virgil Hunter and his fighters at the time, which reminds me, by the way, Andre Ward's got a book coming out. Um, in a few weeks' time, which I'm really looking forward to reading. Um, um, San Francisco uh, is a place that really should be having more fights. And I think the venues is a great idea. Um, Yes, I agree. Devin Haney has got the jeopardy in this fight, stepping up against a guy who's been in some fantastic fights, who brings it, who brings the ghost with him, the Rouge from the swamps. Um, who's a fantastic character, who is Southpaw and he's very, very tenacious. Um, and I think the great thing about this fight, and I'm going to put my neck on the block, is I think this fight with Regis Progre will actually be the making of Devon Haney and take him up another level. I think he'll be fully tested. I think if Regis Progre is there uh, in the 12th round, Um, I think we'll have seen uh, the full gamut um, of what Haney has got to show. We've seen him be elusive and outbox uh, and be clever and be majestic in terms of movement and evasion in that first George Cambosos fight. We've seen him take it to Cambosos and, and put his authority on power punches in the second fight with Cambosos. We've seen him deal with a very difficult... Um, probably the best Southpaw on the planet, arguably. Um, Vasil Lomachenko, technically, in that fight. And, you know, have a difficult three or four last rounds, but come through it. I had him winning, I think, by 115, 113 on the night, if I think back correctly. And rightly so. I think he just bit the fight 7-5. So Regis Progray, upper weight division, is a fantastic test. He's jettisoned his two belts has Haney. Um, I've loved the build-up, Addie. I can't say too much more. I will be up and excited watching that live. There's no sleep for me on Saturday night. Yeah,
1: no, it's a big one. And and I I agree. I mean, I'm a big fan of both. I think Regis looked fantastic here fighting Josh Taylor. Maybe unlucky because that fight was here. Maybe if that fight's in America, he might have nicked the result. He's come back well, obviously, WBC champion. Hasn't really had that major opportunity, right? Big fight, big platform, sold-out venue. He hasn't had that. He gets it now, and he gets it against a young upstart in Devin Haney. He's only 24, so it's 24 versus 34, and I think the youth's going to prevail here. I think Devin Haney's going to do something special. You forget how young Devin is. Like, 24 is incredible in what he's already achieved in the sport, and it goes on to talk about kind of what we said at the top, the 140-pound division right now. I mean, it's it's, honestly Sabria Matias, you've got Teofimo Lopez, Jack Cattrall over here, Josh Taylor still floating around, Ryan Garcia is now added to it. Regis, Devon, Javante will go up, Shakur will go up, Ohara Davis. Stacked. On and I know I've missed out so many. I, I must have missed out because there's there's other guys in the division. Arnold Barbosa's unbeaten, twenty eight and oh. I forgot about him. So many fights. Devin Haney come a year's time could be the man and eventually as he says he wants to go to 147 so look that's to come that's this saturday it's live on the zone pay-per-view no doubt myself and gareth will be back next tuesday to react to it as well so it's going to be an absolutely fantastic show next tuesday because loads to talk about we'll talk about chris billam smith fingers crossed he comes through he's fighting then it is the richard react poor so thank you as always gareth as well always to you my man thank you so much as well you have been listening to find out extra on Talksport 2 we'll see you next week